Are you looking for your next role in consulting? Then Investor Group Services, or IGS, needs to be on your list of target firms. At IGS, you'll work closely with senior firm leaders to help private equity and corporate clients make better investment and strategic decisions. The work at IGS involves a blend of research and strategic consulting, along with plenty of collaboration with client stakeholders. Find out for yourself if IGS is the perfect fit for you via the link in this episode's show notes or at igsboston.com. Hi, my name's Edward, and I'm going to be pursuing a career in consulting upon graduation. As an intern for Management Consulted, I would love it if you were able to fill out a quick survey linked in the show note description. This is going to help Strategy Simplified improve and become far more tailored to you, the individual, looking for a career in consulting. Thank you. Strategy Simplified, welcome to another episode. Today, I'm very excited for this live case demonstration with Lisa and Zoe. Let me quickly introduce them. Zoe is a current master's student at the University of Edinburgh. He's an incoming associate at ECG London and will start in the fall of 2023. Lisa is a former McKinsey consultant and coaches aspiring consultants to case and fit interview success. You can actually work with her one-on-one via Zoom via the link in the show notes. Now to see the exhibits that you're about to hear about from the case, follow the link in the show notes to make sure you get the full story. Finally, we encourage you to follow along with Zoe. Pull out a pencil and paper and see if you can solve the case alongside this future bcg Let's dive in. So my name is Lisa Bright. I'm a coach here at Management Consulted. I've been coaching uh, case prep here for about eight years now. Um, time has flown by. Um, I actually uh, joined McKinsey as an undergrad. I interned there my junior year of college, and then I went back full time for a couple more years after that. Um, I left McKinsey in about 2014. Um, and at that time, joined Management Consulted as a coach while I was working on a bunch of entrepreneurial projects that I had um, on the side. And it's been some time that I've been working on that. And so currently I own a real estate firm um, as well as a healthcare business um, and then uh, coaching with Management Consulted. So I've coached um, undergrads, MBAs, PhDs, experienced hires, the full full range with a ton of the firms, including MBB, the big four, um, as well as a ton of boutiques as well. So super excited for our case today and I'll pass it off to Zoe to give you a quick introduction on on his background before we dive into our case. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa. Um, my name is Zoe Mewode-Steves. I'm a fourth-year international relations student at the University of Edinburgh. Um, I actually, this is actually quite cool being here because I used to listen and follow along with the live cases. So I think it's a very good sort of experience to actually be on the hot seat this time. Uh, and I'll be starting at BCG in London in the fall. So looking forward to today's case. Awesome. So we're just going to go ahead and dive in here. Um, so let me know when you're ready for the prompt, Zoe. I'm ready. Good. All right. So the client that we're working with today, they've been in business close to 90 years. Um, the original founder started in the whiskey business, but over time, successive leaders have expanded the products so that today the company is now a multi-billion dollar diversified liquor manufacturer. And less than 5% of their sales remain in that original whiskey category that they started in. So this expansion strategy made quite a bit of sense over the past 20 years as the total U.S. sales of whiskey have dropped by about 2% per year over that time frame. And the client's brand and their sales have been declining at that same rate, about a 2% annual decline for the past 20 years. Now, while the company does have enormous passion for this whiskey brand, as it was the founding basis of the company, in recent years, they've really been paying limited attention to it. Um, last year, however, something caused them to suddenly sort of take notice again um, because the market dropped by 2% yet again, but the client's brand and their sales dropped by 15%. And that was despite selling 10 million bottles in this latest year. And so the client has approached us in helping them and identifying what went wrong with their whiskey line this past year, and then really how to grow and improve uh, that whiskey business moving forward. So 
what factors would you want to consider to help the client in better assessing uh, what the issue was with whiskey and then how to improve it? Awesome. Thank you so much for the for the prompt, Lisa. Um, if it's okay, I just want to like run it back by you to make sure I have everything correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the client has been in business for 90 years. Um, they initially started uh, in the whiskey business, but now that accounts for less than 5% of what they do because they expanded and they're now a multi-billion dollar liquor um, company, you said. Um, mm-hmm. And this strategy made sense, right? Um, because whiskey sales have been dropping 2% every year. And so this this was a good strategy. But last year, theirs dropped 15%, whereas um, the overall standards was still a 2% drop. Um, even though this is despite the fact that they sold 10 million bottles of whiskey. Um, and you would then like me to know what went wrong and how they can grow and improve this. Is that correct? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Okay. Is it okay if I ask a few just clarifying questions to make sure I understand this? Yep. Take your time. Awesome. Um, so you said they are a multi-billion dollar liquor company. Is this just in the U.S.? Is this their sole market? Yeah, so we're just looking at a U.S. business here, so they don't have any kind of international operations. Right, okay. Um, and you said that they sold 10 million bottles. I just want to clarify that that is whiskey specifically, yes? Yes, 10 million bottles of whiskey last year. Awesome. All right, and when you say that they want to know what went wrong and how to grow and improve this, do they have any specific targets of how they want to improve it by? Do they want to get the whiskey business maybe back in line with market standards? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'd say at a minimum, their target is to hit uh, that 15% drop, kind of recouping that from last year, recouping getting back it. to okay. where they were. Um, right. Obviously, they would like to do better than that moving forward, but that's their minimum baseline of what they're looking for. Okay. Awesome. All right. I think that is enough for now. If I have any more questions later on, I'll just ask you. Is it okay if I take a few moments to think about the factors that I might want to consider? Absolutely. Cheers. Thank you. We'll be right back after this quick message. Maximize your chances of landing a top 10 consulting offer by joining Black Belt, Management Consultants' premium case prep program. In Black Belt, you receive one-on-one mentorship and prep support from a former McKinsey, Bain, or BCG consultant like the one you're hearing from today. Your coach will develop a personalized plan for you and guide you through drill-based coaching sessions. Black Belt also includes expert resume and cover letter edits because case prep is only so good if you don't get the interview. Learn more and register at the link in this episode's show notes. Now, let's get back to the show. Awesome. So um, we are trying to find out why um, their revenue reduced, essentially. Um, And so I've decided to break this down first into two main buckets. First, I would like to consider maybe internal factors that might have been responsible for this. And next, I'd like to consider external factors. Now, within the internal factors, I'd like to fully understand um, specifically the whiskey, whiskey aspect of this company. So have they introduced any new maybe systems or new operations methods or just is there any new technology or any changes essentially in their internal processes that may have brought brought this about, including changes in sales, um, sales force, as well as marketing here as well. I'd like to know, just given the glo- larger you know, uh, context of like what's happening globally, I'd also like to maybe understand if they ha- there were any changes during COVID that maybe they have been very slow to react to that have maybe been responsible for this. And I'm like, I- I'd like to consider this under internal rather than external because I'm trying to see if maybe they had any reactionary methods that perhaps hasn't really translated well into a post-COVID world. Uh, externally, I'd like to look at, so other wider market conditions. Yes, we know the market is declining uh, 2%, but have barriers of entry maybe reduced? Have laws maybe made it easier for new competitors to enter the market? And if that's the case, maybe this has been the reason. So maybe there are now more choices. Um, Externally as well, I'd like to know if maybe there have been any new changes in maybe brand methods or brand marketing methods that have meant that our client is behind the competitors in the way they position themselves in this market. I'd also like to maybe understand if there are certain things that maybe other competitors are doing that our clients aren't doing, and that makes me want to um, explore our competitor landscape. Now, just looking at it, my hypothesis would be to first start with looking at external factors, but I would like some clarification on maybe if there are any answers to the internal ones at the moment. Mm-hmm. So let me pick up on something that you mentioned uh, recently here around the competitors yes. and their branding, their marketing, et cetera. 
That. So some members of the board um, of our client, they have suggested or has some concerns that this may be happening where competitors are actually upping their marketing expenses or spending more money on that. Right. Um, and so they like for us to either confirm or deny that that is actually the case. So my question for you is, how would you go about actually gathering that type of information to confirm if the competitors have been increasing their marketing spend or not? Awesome. So just to clarify, you'd like me to try to figure out how we'd go about testing whether competitors have actually increased their marketing or not. Would you like me to just go on the spot or maybe take some time to give you a more structured answer? Um, if you want to take a moment, that's fine. It's, it's really about how would you gather the data um, around that? Right. Okay. Um, all right. Just taking a quick second then. Um, okay. Right. Okay. So um, I thought of three main methods. The first, I think, would be the easier, more cookie-cutter one, which is just coming up with surveys that you send to people who maybe drink whiskey to give feedback on if they've seen any new marketing that has maybe appealed to them specifically. Um, I feel like one downside of this could be we need to give them an incentive to fill the survey, but I guess that would be for later. Um, my second category here would be um, industry reports. So perhaps there have been like reports published recently that maybe has gone into detail or on any new marketing changes or marketing trends. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if there are such reports that maybe talk about how whiskey brands might now be using TikTok as a way to advertise, although I'm not necessarily sure that's the right age demographic. Um, and third, perhaps focus groups. I think this could be interesting because you're getting a group of people and maybe studying them over time and studying how there might even be some subtle effects of different marketing strategies of our competitors on them that they might not even know about yet. So I think these are three pretty good, uh, interesting options that they could go for to okay. test that. So what else could they do to get the data? So think about um, not just maybe evaluating the effectiveness of their marketing, but just how, yeah. would, we how would we actually tell if they've ex spent more in a sense? Um, or been doing more of it. So what are some other methods we could go about uh, addressing that? Right. Okay. So if we're actually looking at trying to see ways in which they could have spent more, we could have, we could maybe look at, if our competitors are public companies, we could maybe look to their financial records, see if maybe their uh, budgets on marketing and advertising have increased. We could also, I guess, keep a keen eye on um, maybe blockbuster movies and see if they're more like... Um, signs of uh, competitor whiskey brands in them, we can then maybe know that they've perhaps partnered with Avatar 3, for example, or something like that. Um, so we could do that and just see if there's a prevalence of their campaigns as well. We could also see maybe how often their ads run. That could also be indicative of maybe their spend. Mm -hmm. All right. So turns out we have gathered a lot of information on our competitors. We've done a lot of different due diligence um, on them. And we were able to determine that their marketing spend has been pretty stable, which we were actually pretty surprised by. Um, but in our investigation into the competitors, we were able to gather some other information um, on them. So what are your thoughts on this exhibit here? Awesome. Is it okay if I take a few seconds to just navigate through this? It all right, so I think this is an interesting table, right, that shows our clients in comparison to competitors and, you know, lists a, a bit of information about price and cost. I think the first thing that really stood out to me is the fact that compared to our competitors, we seem to not have a focused place of sale, which means we're selling at both groceries and specialty stores. And I think this is interesting because if all these other competitors are doing better than us um, at the moment, or at least didn't suffer as badly as we did, it could be because they have a more focused channel. Um, secondly, as well, I can see that our, we are the second lowest, we have the second lowest cost to produce, um, which I think positions us quite well. But at the same time, perhaps we're in a weird spot where we're not quite premium enough for the premium whiskey drinkers, and we're not quite as low cost enough for those who want something more affordable. Um, I can only I can also see that there's a split between you know, premium brands and you know own brands, and I'm just trying to understand. So, is our client currently positioned as a premium brand? Because I wouldn't think so, just based on the data. So I can tell you what own brand is. Own brand is actually a private label or like a oh. white label whiskey. So we don't have a private or white label. Right. Okay. So so just to clarify, the premium and own brand isn't uh, uh, indicative of the actual quality of the whiskey. It's just brand labels? There could be some quality differences, but I would say primarily yeah, it's more of a branding uh, a branding difference between the two. 
Right. Okay. Well, in that case, I think the other points I mentioned, I'd like to first understand if maybe the point of sale, the place of sale is something that's a serious factor that might have affected us. At the same time, I think uh, just looking at perhaps if um, looking at how low our costs to produce are, uh, maybe why we decided to price um, our product that high. I mean, we are making quite, I mean, it's almost double of, uh, we're charging almost double of our cost to produce. So I think that could be interesting to explore maybe our pricing structure. But again, I don't think lowering our prices is a way to um, really get back, claw back the amount we lost last year unless we really make up for it in high volumes. Um, I can also see that a lot of our competitors were launched um, fairly recently. So as you said earlier, we are older, which I think confirms what the, the information you gave me initially. So if there is no other information from here, I'd like to maybe first understand our cost structure specifically to know why we price our goods the way we do, as well as just understanding more about the place of sale. Yeah. So based on this, though, I don't have too much additional data on that, but based on okay. the chart, um, mm -hmm. what's, what's your thought in terms of what the client should maybe do moving forward um, based on this information? Um, is it okay if I take a few seconds to think about that? Okay. Sure. Right. So I think two main uh, suggestions, excuse me, that I'd have for the client would be either to streamline the place of sale. So decide whether to sell in groceries or specialty stores, or if they want to maintain these two, is it possible for them to perhaps have an alternative whiskey brand that maybe is price different? Because there seems to be just a, a little bit of a disparity. So those that are sold in specialty stores are more expensive than grocery stores. But if our client prices them the same in both uh, places, I think that could cause a problem with um, the potential buyers of, of whiskey. Um, at the, as I mentioned earlier, um, I wouldn't necessarily recommend reducing the price just because I don't think we can guarantee that we would make the volume to ensure that we actually you know, increase our revenue compared to last year. Mm -hmm. So if we wouldn't be decreasing price, then you know, are you proposing that we go with, um, let's say, one sold at kind of a mid-tier or kind of a higher end. What are your thoughts on that? I think what my recommendation would be, at least based on this for this part, would be just trying to create a disparity. So instead of having just one whiskey, um, say, bottle offering, uh, perhaps creating a bit of a split so that we have maybe two fairly distinct sort of brands, just so that we can justify... Um, the price differences otherwise we need to pick a clear lane so if we are positioning ourselves as like a premium brand or like a specialty store brand then that should be clear because this way i can now begin to understand why potential buyers might be a bit confused as to where we are positioned mm -hmm. so let's say the client agrees with you that lowering prices and offering a cheap whiskey really isn't something they're interested in given their 90-year history yeah. but they are interested in targeting premium and so they'd like mm -hmm. for us to calculate what's more profitable for them. So what they did this past year uh -huh. um, or if they were to target premium and what that would look like. Um, so what data would you need to calculate the total profit under those two scenarios? Right. So um, just to confirm what you said. So the client would like to know. So they don't want to essentially go with a low brand option. They want to compare. So last year's. Um, last year's method which is the method i think they've been using or switch to a premium brand is that correct mm -hmm. correct okay um let me just take a few seconds to identify data points okay okay um so given that we already have the price uh in 2017 in 2007 is this the same price that they had last year or did they increase um, it so 07 is last year 07 oh, 07 yep. is last year okay okay that actually gives a new a bit of that gives me a new bit of context to the to the case. Okay, so um, that means that last year they made about 150 million um, from their existing method. Does that align with what you have? Yeah, I'm assuming you're taking the the 15 times the 10 million bottles. Yes. Okay. Right, um, and that means that essentially to compare which one would give us more money, um, I'd like to know projected number of bottles sold, and I think. We could probably estimate that based on how many bottles are sold by our more premium competitors and just try and see if we can uh, gauge it from there. Uh, as well as price, I think they're both priced in the 19 uh, pounds and 19.75 pounds. So if we go around that range, I think we should be able to figure out how much we can make from that. 
Mm-hmm. So let's assume that we've run, we've done a little research around this and we estimate that at 20 pounds per bottle, we uh-huh. estimate that we can sell 8 million bottles. Okay. All right then. So uh, just looking at that, 20 pounds a bottle, 8 million bottles is 160 million um, revenue in total, which is 10 million more than um, our existing method, our existing like model. So I think if we're basically looking at price, this would be uh, and revenue, just looking at numbers, this would be a good option. But I know that there's a lot of nuance going into just switching uh, our positioning and switching our um, prices. So we might actually incur maybe uh, some higher costs in just trying to shift this and adjust this. So before really recommending anything to the client, I think it would be good to just understand our so our cost structure. I know that that's the cost to produce, but we need to add maybe, so for example, fixed costs and just like things that need to be considered. So do we have mm-hmm. any data on that? So the cost to produce actually does include variable and fixed cost okay. in terms of production. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll exclude for now marketing distribution and some of those other fixed costs. Okay. Um, but in terms of that cost to produce, 75% of it is a variable cost, and then 25% of it is an allocated fixed cost. And for now, we're going to assume no change of the overall cost structure for the business. Okay. Um so 75% of the cost to produce is variable and 25 is fixed. Correct. And I'm assuming that's in the eight pounds for a bottle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Okay. And um, am I right in assuming that we're uh, maintaining that that cost remains the same even after we switch? Mm, I wouldn't no. say that the eight might remain the same. So keep in mind you have variable and fixed cost. Okay. So okay. I want to think about how those either adjust or don't adjust with volume. Right, right. Okay, okay. That's interesting. Okay. Um, so right now, just to, just because I've left this calculation hanging on the side, just that means that our cost with the existing model of last year would be eighty million, which means that we have about we're we're making about seventy million in profit, and bearing in mind that this is a decline from the year before. Um, so if our cost structure is seventy five percent variable and twenty five percent fixed, um, the fixed cost obviously doesn't change given that we have um we are maintaining those same structures um but the variable cost changes so um is it okay if i take a few seconds to just think of maybe a few ideas as to how uh, i could visualize or just try to understand how a variable cost would change okay thank you so am i right am i right in assuming that since we're selling eight million bottles uh, we're not going to produce the same number of bottles as we were with the previous method. Is that correct? Yeah, so the 10 versus the 8. Right. 10 million okay. versus 8 million. Um, mm-hmm. And if it's 10 million versus 8, um, and then that then means that our um, our verbal cost might actually go down. Is that correct? Mm, well, in total, probably, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so my initial, I guess, my initial hypothesis or method was that um, if it costs essentially six pounds per bottle, um, uh, and we're producing 10 million, uh, it wouldn't necessarily reduce uh, proportionally, but I tried to use that to just give myself an overall idea of how much it might reduce by. But if that is what would happen in total, then um, I'm not entirely clear on how we would get the 75% that would be um, that would change with the new method. The fixed so, would remain two pounds. Mm, so I'd go back to the six. So the variable cost yes. is six per bottle, is what you said currently. Yes. So you have a new volume. So I think you should be able to to get the variable cost there. Okay, let me see. The variable cost is six. Right. Okay, so the let me get this uh let me just run this by you. So this means that the variable costs, the costs don't really change. It's just overall that they do. So essentially when you say um it's now we're now producing 10 million bottles. Uh, we have the costs, and then we just need to calculate the the um, overall the, the overall change. All right. So let mm-hmm. me just um, so I'd go back to the six per bottle. So the six uh-huh. per bottle is still saying six per bottle, um, awesome. whether it's okay. the premium or the what they're doing currently. Okay. So if it's six, if it's still six per bottle, and now we are only selling eight million bottles. Then that's about forty-eight uh, million. Mm-hmm. That's variable. Um, 
and we'll, are we also maintaining the two uh, per bottle, or is so, that two just overall? I know, I know that that's not so that doesn't change with production. I'm just trying to figure out a way to factor factor it in, or are we ignoring yeah. it for now? So the two per bottle is the current allocated fixed cost per bottle. So what would be your total fixed cost currently? Um. So the two pounds per bottle is the current fixed cost, you said. Mm-hmm. So what would it be in total for the current year or 07? Are we assuming the change has occurred or with the previous method? Previous previous method. So back in 07, what, what, if, what, what is our current fixed cost in total? Right. Okay. So in 07, when our sales were 10 million um, and our fixed cost were two, then our fixed cost would be 20 million. Uh-huh. Right. And so that would remain the same. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Okay. That actually makes sense now that I look at it. Okay. So that means our variable cost would be 48 million and our fixed costs would be 20 million um, with the new method, which means our costs overall would be 68 million. Uh-huh. Um, and compared to the 160 million, so that's 68, so that's about 92 million. So again, that is um, that is interesting. That is definitely um, it's a twelve million dollar increase. Um, and mm, double that check cost, that real quick. Sorry, it's a twenty two million uh, dollar uh, pound increase, um, mm-hmm. which is fairly sizable. Um, and just since essentially our overall um, our overall aim was to get back the fifteen percent that they lost, um, that means that the seventy million that they had was actually 85% of what happened the year before. Mm, so keep in mind their their target is a revenue target as opposed to a profit target, though. Right, it's a revenue target, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that means it's the 150 million that was 85% of what they had the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, which means if I divide... Um, let me try and see. So that would be 15,000 divided by 85... Okay, this will definitely be an estimation. So I've I've reduced this down to three thousand over seventeen. Is it okay if I round up the seventeen to twenty and I just know that my overall answer is slightly less? Thank you. Okay. Uh, let's see. One. Okay, so this actually gives me, and I know that this is slightly less than the actual answer. It gives me that the um, the revenue before was roughly around the 150 million mark. Um, and what this tells me is that now that we would be making uh, 160 million with this new change, we would pretty much be making up back what we what we lost um, two years ago. So if Considering that that was one of the goals initially laid out, I think that would be this would be a reasonable option for the client to consider. Um, so I actually just sense checking that real quick. Um, that doesn't add up perfectly. Uh, because essentially 85% of their old revenue should be um, 70 um, million pounds. So that doesn't, um, let me just go back to my calculations real quick. Again, it's 150. um, Okay, let me see. So I think it's it's roughly going to be less than 200 million around that range. So if it's actually around the roughly 200 million mark, um, I'd like to go back and actually say that us making 160 million pounds does not necessarily um, cut it. And we might need to consider alternative ways to claw back that revenue that we lost. Okay, sounds good. So unfortunately, I don't have any additional data for you. So what would be your final recommendation for the client at this point? We'll be right back after this quick break. 
Are you looking to break into consulting this year? Management Consulted has tons of online resources to help you make the leap. Do you need to optimize your resume for applications? We can help. Need to prep for case interviews? We've got you covered. Or need to build skills for the job? Well, you're in good hands. With thousands of free articles and videos, along with paid ways to engage, we've got everything you need to be confident that you're on the right track. Visit managementconsulted.com to get started today. But if you're not sure where to start, just send us an email, team at managementconsulted.com. We'll direct you where to go or hop on a quick call to answer your questions. We can't wait to walk with you. Again, visit managementconsulted.com to get started on your journey into consulting. Awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much for the opportunity to work on this case. Uh, my recommendation is that although it would claw back uh, some revenue, I do not think you should switch um, to a premium brand solely. This is because that you will not make as much money as you intend to make. Um, that said, there might be other options to consider, such as maybe switching your place of sale or just repositioning the brand, as well as potentially looking to maybe phase off this business altogether. Um, while there are risks involved with this, uh, there is a, a capable team that can work on this and just research it for you so that you can make a good decision. Uh, thank you so much for your time. All right, case done. All Oof. right, you're out of the hot seat. <laughs> um, I, awesome. I want to get, I, whenever I do case prep, I always ask people their initial reactions to the case, um, just to kind of get your your thoughts and feelings on this one. Um, you know, what do you feel like went really well? You know, what pieces are you maybe not as comfortable with in this case? How this went pre previous to, or um, in relation to other cases that you've done previously? So just want to get your your quick thoughts and, I'll, and then I'll give you mine. Awesome. Well, I think considering that this is the first time I've cased in about three months, it could oh, have wow. gone okay. way worse. Um, <laughs> it could have gone way worse. Um, but I think I think it was a fun case. I quite enjoyed finding out about whiskey. Again, I have a bottle of Jack Daniels just staring at me. Um, <laughs> it didn't give me any inspiration for the case, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I think it was a very fun case. Some things I think went well. I think uh, I made a few errors here and there, but I think I was able to kind of bounce back. Um, mm -hmm. I think I remained calm through it. I kept going yeah. back to my numbers because I knew there was an error somewhere. And I think I communicated with you and took your feedback quite well. So I think mm -hmm. that was I think that was good. Things I could have done better. Um, I think just communicating my approach with you a bit better. I think mm -hmm. my recommendation could have been more succinct. Uh, it came when I was expecting like another like page. So I just like went straight in it. It um, always does, I, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, so I just think a few things here and there, but I'm very interested in hearing what you felt about it. Awesome. So I think you did a great job for the case, especially if you haven't cased in three months. Um, usually even a couple weeks off and people get a little bit rusty um, in their cases. It's it's fascinating how quickly that, that sets in. Um, so I always recommend people to, uh, let's say they get a first round and then their second round isn't until two, three weeks later. I'm like, make sure you still keep casing in between because it, it does, uh, it, it gets rusty very quickly. Um, so commend you on that. That's not not an easy thing to do with three months off. So let's go back and take a look at the case. Um, I agree with most of the things that you said overall, um, but I want to go back and kind of dive into a few of those pieces in more detail and really kind of look at how we dissect this case well. Um, so starting with the intro, um, I think you did a good recap, right? I felt like you got all the information, et cetera. Um, I even recommend even... A little further than that, feel free to synthesize, like putting it back in your own words. Sometimes that's a great way to start digesting the prompt. Um, and so, you know, for example, I might say, um, if I understand this correctly, you know, our client's kind of an old school whiskey manufacturer. They've been around for some time. And it seems like they've been trying to expand their business into other areas because the whiskey product line just isn't that attractive, right? The market's been dropping 2% a year. And so they've kind of been neglecting the whiskey line is what it sounds like is that they've been paying limited attention to it. Uh -huh. um, but then last year, right, the, they really took notice because some, something shifted. Um, so just kind of rewording it back in your own words. Sometimes tricky to do in the spot, but that can really kind of help you start to digest that prompt really well. Um, so that was good. Uh, Clarifying questions, yep, confirming the U.S. market. Um, in addition, business model-wise, um, you could confirm, distribute. are they distributing, working through retailers? You could, not a necessary question, um, but just addressing the business model. Uh, and then also you asked about the targets, which is good. And I think you did a good job bringing that back in at the end to say, oh yeah, you did give me a specific target. Let me make sure I capture that. 
a lot of people miss that in this case. So if you have a numeric target, just making sure you go back to it. So that's good. Um, so overall, pretty decent intro. Structure on this one. Um, curious your thoughts on your structure since you've been off for three months. I find structure is the thing that gets the rustiest the fastest. I'm just curious your thoughts on how you did with the structure. Yeah, I think the Zoe that was interviewing for BCG would be very shocked. It just, I feel like my structure was quite shoddy. It was, I think I could have gone a bit deeper. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But what, what do you think? Yeah, so I think you have this internal external split, right, is a little on the generic side, the wording of those two, but it is the right, uh, the right baseline of a structure to use, right? So um, anytime you're looking at a strategic type question or a revenue decline question and you're digging into the drivers, that market company product customer type approach works really well for these, which if you think about it in a, in a nutshell, um, market and customer are more external factors and then company and product are more internal. Uh-huh. So I teach this quite a bit when I do case prep, but I say, you know, internal, external is the right way to think about it. You just want to go one level deeper so it's not quite so generic and then bucketing, but it is the right content, right? So it's, those are the things we need to take into consideration. It's the driver of a revenue decline in this case. So I think at a high level directionally, which is good, um, three months off, you know, that that's to be expected. <laughs> so I personally, I would have laid out the buckets as, um, first of all, it could be some kind of competitive landscape issue because we know we've lost market share if the market drop uh, 2% relative to our drop of 15. So I want to know who stole share and why would be bucket number one. Um, and then bucket two, anyways, I want to look at if there's been a shift in consumer taste or preferences that we didn't anticipate because we've been asleep at the wheel for the last X number of years. Um, third, better assessing if there was something internally that caused an issue, like an operational problem of some kind. Again, they've been paying limited attention to it. And then maybe an issue with the whiskey itself. Sounds and then good. like really diving into the competitors, um, customers, uh, operations. I think you hit most of those pieces. On the product side, I would just talk about like pri- pricing changes, packaging changes, quality, recall issues, or there could be an issue with the underlying whiskey, like what's actually on the shelves that could be causing a problem. So cool. I think you've hit most of those points. Like just like I said, a little target, more targeted buckets, a little yeah. deeper in those, but hey, for three months off, <laughs> not bad. So that's good. Uh, and then also I noticed that you started with a hypothesis. So that's good. Um, I might even give... You said it probably was an external issue. I might even give a reason for that of we know we've lost market share. And so because of that, you know, I'm anticipating that maybe there was a shift in the competitive landscape or the market as a whole that our client neglected because they haven't been they've been asleep at the wheel basically for the last X number of years. So I think I want to start by looking at market factors and what changed. Um, So just kind of linking that back a little bit more closely. But overall, um, pretty solid intro structure. I agree with what you said, just kind of going a little deeper in those, but those look pretty good. Awesome. Then then we got an interesting creative question here um, around how do you get information on our competitors? What were your thoughts on that one? Um, it was a lot of fun. I, now that I think about it, I think it was a lot of fun. In the moment, I don't think it was that fun, <laughs> but actually thinking of ways to get the data, because I study statistics as well. So okay. I think it was like, ooh, okay, this is cool. Yeah, so I think I enjoyed thinking about it, but I guess in a case um, scenario, I think it's a little bit different from like a classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, Whenever I give this case, I always kind of bring up that the core skill sets of a consultant is finding data, analyzing data, and presenting it in a way that spurs somebody to go do something about it, right? Like that is your entire job surprise in, in about one sentence. So this is on the gathering data aspect of like, how do you do the research? Um, and so competitive analysis is a, a really common one that you'll do on a project. Um, with the creative questions, uh, the goal that I always tell people is you want to try to structure out your answer and then give ideas within your buckets right? as best you can. So it should look and feel a lot like your opening structure um, uh-huh. where you have you know buckets and then ideas. I think you did a good job numbering them. So at least it wasn't... Um, it wasn't too random, right? But it was as nicely listed. But a step beyond that would be bucketing. So this one, for example, um, the, my suggestion for this one would be I'd split it primary and secondary market research. So I'd say, okay, I'd start with secondary market research. It's cheaper. It's faster. We always start there. That if we have to, we could go look at primary. So within secondary, I'm thinking 
you know, we could look at industry reports, marketing databases, maybe talk to a couple experts in the field, not a full-blown research study, but just a couple phone conversations, see what we can find. Um, and then if we have to, we can move into primary, which would be uh, actually conducting surveys or focus groups, or actually trying to go and observe all of their marketing spend. Um, that's going to be quite time consuming because we'd have to look at magazines and TV and online and try to look at the trends over time. I think that's going to be pretty, pretty difficult, but something we could try if we needed to. Uh. So just that structure and then ideas within your buckets, if you can bucket it. You know, now that now that you say that, I remembered. I think I mentioned watching Avatar three to see for marketing. Did I not mm-hmm. at some point? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I just went <laughs> went off on that. Yeah, <laughs> no worries. Uh, so the structure, I would say, once you have that structure, so if you have a couple buckets, interviewers will oftentimes ask what else. And so if you have that bucketed structure, you can say, all right, would you like me to generate more ideas within primary or secondary? Um, or maybe something different. And I'm like, mm, within primary. So you're like, ah, okay. And then you could kind of keep going within that bucket. Right. Um, so I think you got a pretty good uh, number of things on my list, but that structure may, for folks listening, may help um, navigate that what else question. Uh-huh. I personally hated creative questions when I interviewed. <laughs> they keep asking what else and you don't know what else to say. So <laughs> the more you can structure, the more you can kind of help yourself help your interviewer and helping you it, it just creates a lot more structure to the answer right right yep okay awesome um chart how do you feel about the chart i know there's quite a bit of information in this one um i, I think i should have asked you what year the case was happening in because if i did ask you that earlier uh-huh. then the first thing i would have said was that the chart kind of confirms my structure where i said there might have been new entrants into the market yeah so i think i missed that bit of analysis because i didn't ask that question uh-huh. so i want to talk about that a little bit i noticed in this case um you asked for a few pauses as you went right so the pause on the the chart of the creative questions and i'd say i'd probably dial those back a little bit if you've been off for three months that's to be expected though <laughs> but for, for folks listening um, we usually say like ask for a formal pause, maybe once throughout a case, I would save it for one where you're like, I really need a pause. Uh, I have no clue what I'm going to say. Charts is one um, that I encourage people to keep talking through the chart as you go, because you can actually start kind of reading that chart out loud and start digesting that information. And then you can ask good clarifying questions as you go and as you start to review that chart. Otherwise, what will happen in a, a chart or a math question is you could end up three minutes into reviewing it and you're like, I still don't understand what's going on here versus if you, I always encourage people to talk through it and then right. they can address those issues as they come up. So what that might look like, for example, in this one is I would say, okay, we've got the brand place of sale cost to produce three years of prices. Uh, just want to confirm what year are we in? Yeah, we're in 07. Like, mm, okay. So that was last year when things really went awry based on the uh. prompt noted i'll make sure i come back to that um okay so moving from left to right here if i look at the brand we can see that the client seemingly has one brand whereas a and b both have a premium and an own uh-huh. i can see the premium is more expensive but do we have a specific definition of what own own brand is or the difference between the two and i'm like yeah one's private label i'm like oh okay so our client doesn't have a private label so they're they're actually more like a premium generally speaking uh-huh. Um, okay, that makes sense. So then we can see that the basically the the competitors are more differentiated. And then if I move to place a sale, we can kind of see that carrying through where the client's just offering one particular product, whereas the competitors differentiate. Cost to produce, yeah, we can see a pretty tight band between eight and eight fifty, except for competitor B own brand. Uh-huh. Um, might want to look into that. But what I really care about is the change um, over time. So if I look at the prices. The client's been pretty stable. They did increase in 07. So I wonder if that caused an issue. Uh, maybe not because A and B premium have jacked up their prices, right? From 50 to 19 and 60 to 1975. So big increase in price. Ah, and then they launched their own brands in 07. Okay. I see what happened. The market diverged, right? Into this high end and a low end. Uh-huh. We just kind of got left in the middle in the process. So we're targeting nothing <laughs> in this sense. And we're now the most expensive in in grocery and we're the cheap one in specialty, which is kind of reverse of what I would you would expect. 
Um, so it seems like they've been asleep at the wheel. Big market shifts have happened. And now they're kind of in a tough spot. And so um, what I would want to do moving forward is explore a few different options, right? We could either go cheap, go premium, or probably do both, right? Which is kind of what you were getting out of like two different brands uh-huh. differentiating. And I'd say, I want to explore those three different options. And I'd say, yeah, but the client, they just don't want to offer cheap liquor, right? Like that's not their history. They don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, that kind of leaves premium, right? That's really the only place to go. Uh so it's when you get a chart like this where there's so much information i usually recommend people just kind of like talk through each each piece and then synthesize talk through it synthesize so that way you can really start digesting this chart because even if you take two three minutes of silence it's probably still not real apparent what the the core insights are it's going to take a minute to digest all that data right so Yep. So without the pause, you can just dive in, read, you know, high level axes. Um, think about, okay, what's my objective, right? I'm like, oh, seven is the main issue. Mm, you know, like I really want to come back to that. Um, and then you can kind of start structure in a structured way, just going through the different elements of the chart and ask good clarifying questions. Um, you asked about the premium versus the oats. So I think that unlocked a little bit. And then later, when you asked about the last year, you're like, oh, that makes sense now in terms of what went wrong. Yeah. So good clarifying questions. Knowing what you don't know is is really important to highlight in a case as well for folks yeah. on the phone. I think um, a lot of people approach a case thinking that they have to know everything and they're not actually comfortable asking clarifying questions. But it's as a consultant, you ask lots of clarifying questions when you join a project because you just don't know the space or the client. So being a good uh, question asker is quite important in it as skills that they look for. Right. Awesome. So we got the chart um, and then that kind of uh, headed us into the math. Um, how'd you feel about the math on this one overall? Um, I think, I think just going from the, going from the chart to the math, because I didn't ask those questions, I kind of felt a bit uneasy. So when we went into the math, I know I figured it out somehow in the end, but I think I didn't take good notes. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I think my note-taking kind of went, uh, you know, AWOL for a bit. And I think that made it hard to navigate. But yeah. just thinking about it logically, as I think everyone would when they're not in a case condition, I think it's actually fairly straightforward, like calculations. It's not too complicated. Um, but yeah, what, what what was your experience just kind of yeah. watching? Yeah. I think you talked through your math quite well, like I, um, in terms of, uh, the communication as you went, I think you could, you could do a little bit more communication on the actual calculation. So, uh, for example, you said 150, which was correct. But let's say, for example, let's say you wrote down a number wrong and it wasn't correct. I'm like, hmm, how did you get there? Right. So I would just make sure you talk through each of the steps of your math uh, in a little bit more detail. Um, and one thing I always recommend people do with the math is I would set it up like an Excel spreadsheet. I always tell people when you're doing cases, I would picture your your sheet of paper like Excel. And I even encourage people when they're practicing to pull out Excel and and section off their math into a chart or table because um, it keeps the math really clean. Okay. So what that would look like in this one is I might say, okay, your question was what's more profitable, right? So what they're doing now versus targeting premium. Okay, so I think what we want to do is two columns, current scenario versus premium. And you, you said you want me to calculate profitability for both. So obviously when we take the we need to estimate or calculate out the revenues, subtract out the cost to produce. I'm assuming that's variable cost, correct? Because I know it's a variable and fixed. So I'm like, okay, we should probably split those. So minus variable cost, minus fixed cost. What about other other non-production costs like marketing, et cetera? I'm like, no, nah, let's exclude those for now. But fair, we would want to look at that. I'm like, okay. And then we'll calculate out profit. So you end up with like a two by, what is it, like a two by four table, right, right. on your paper. And you're like, okay, let me just start moving through my boxes. So that way, even if you get tripped up on one box, it's only that box, right? You cross that bridge and then you move to the next box. So, okay, okay, starting with revenues, we have 10 million bottles from the prompt multiplied by the 15 pounds, so we get 150 million pounds in revenue. Okay, now if I move to the, the new scenario, uh, we need to figure out what price would be charging. I'm assuming somewhere in that 19, 20 pound range. Uh, and then the estimated number of bottles that we could sell at that price point. 
and then you could get the data there. Okay, variable cost. Well, okay, let's dig into this cost to produce, you know, and then you get that. And then once you get the variable cost for the current, it's six per bottle times 10 million bottles, so 60. Okay. And then six times the 8 million bottles, so 48. And then once you get that fixed cost bucket for current, the light bulb goes off of like, oh yeah, it just, it remains the same and we carry it over. So I usually recommend that that boxing approach because um, what it does is it allows uh, not just you, like everyone when you go throughout a case, if you're trying to do approach and do math, find your numbers, if this, it gets very jumbled. But uh, if you just have like one box to zone in on, it could really just drive that focus as you go through the math and tackle one piece at a time. Block and tackle. <laughs> That's my <laughs> role in the math. So, um, you know, and day to day, you live in Excel as a consultant. So the more you can keep your page organized like a charter table, it just kind of hits with the interviewer where they're like, yeah, you get it, right? Like, that's how we actually do stuff in real life. Um, I, If you think about an actual project, you don't necessarily want someone to just dive in and start building an Excel model and start plugging yeah. in numbers. There's this whole process of you map it out. And you're like, okay, what are my tabs? How do I make it flexible on the back end? All right, those are all your day-to-day skills in consulting that you can kind of showcase in a, in a small way as you go throughout the math in a case. Right. Okay. Yep. Awesome. So we got to the map. I think you did a good job bringing back in the final number um, or the the initial target, right? So we have a 22 million increase in profit, which I'm like, that sounds great. That's like a third increase overall. But what was the client's objective? 15%. They wanted to recoup that. So I think you got a little stuck on that last calculation. It is the 150 divided by 0.85. What I would do in this one it is kind of a funky calculation. I don't know if anybody else on the call was able to do uh the mental math on that one, but I would say it's roughly a 15% increase. Not exact, but that's probably how I would communicate it. So okay. I'd say it's going to be about 150 times 15%. So that would get us to like 177.5. Okay. I think that should be the number. Uh-huh. Um, so they should, and I think it's actually a little bit more than that. I think it's a little, it's between, it's a little closer to 180, I think total. If you actually divide out the math, um, right. but that would that would be the number that they would be targeting. But unfortunately, we didn't quite get there. We got about a little less than maybe forty percent of the way there. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I still recommend they do this. So I'd still lead with that strong recommendation of I still recommend that they become a more premium end product uh, and and market it as such and leverages their ninety year history. It is about a third more profitable. Um, it just fell short on the revenue side of things. So if we can boost volume. And, and figure out mm. ways to do that. That's how we could kind of make up for that. Um, next steps: looking at consumer research, maybe looking at bars, restaurants, additional specialty stores. Try to boost the volume further. Right. Okay. Ten, that that makes a up. lot of sense actually. Now that I kind of hear it back. Cool. Awesome. Um, great job in the case though. Three months off. Uh, that's that's pretty good after no. three months of, of not casing. So. Um, hopefully for everyone else on the call, some of that feedback was helpful. I was trying to generalize that a little bit for other folks listening as well um, in terms of the approach that you can take um, to some of those questions. Thank you for tuning in to this live case demonstration. We'd love to get your feedback on the podcast. You can let us know what you want more of, what you want less of via the survey linked in this episode of show notes. In addition, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, you'll be entered for a chance to win a free consulting prep course courtesy of our library. Simply leave a review with an email or team to let us know. Podcast at managementconsulted.com. Again, that's podcast at managementconsulted.com. Thank you for being a listener of Strategy Simplified. We'll catch you on another episode very soon.